Happy December! This is The Bittersweet Life. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and I moved to Rome for just a year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. That adventure might inspire you to do something crazy, like quit your stable job and move to Rome for just one year. And my co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and author of Midnight in the Piazza. And she's also an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with the determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in the sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. And if you've listened to the show for years, consider a donation. Your financial support is huge to us. In fact, I can't think of a donation to anywhere that would be more appreciated than what it will be to us. We'll send you a handwritten thank you note. And in addition to helping us pay hosting fees and other bills, your support will help us grow the show, which is absolutely the key to this program continuing in the years to come. So if you love it, if we make your life a little better, please pay whatever you can to support the art that you enjoy. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop and click the donate button. Or tweet us at bittersweetpod and we'll send you a link. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we are marking the beginning of December. And the beginning of Advent. Yes. Advent is upon us. If you're in the United States, Christmas started, what, the day after Thanksgiving? But what's going on in Rome, Tiffany? Well, I do have to say that in the... Over 14 years that I've lived here, I have seen a change in how the Christmas season, not Advent, but how the Christmas season is celebrated. I feel that when I first moved here, the Christmas season started a lot later, and it has crept up. Italians are slowly taking on the consumerism habits of the United States and other parts of the world, and I noticed Christmas decorations in the supermarket, my supermarket, I believe around early November. I wouldn't say they were all over the city, but the big supermarket, they had the Christmas stuff out. And they now celebrate Halloween here, also a relatively new thing. So they had all their Halloween stuff out. And I feel like it was just after Halloween that it was like, whoop, get rid of the Halloween stuff, get the Christmas stuff out. What is this, the United States? Because I feel like when I first moved here, I really, really enjoyed getting into the Christmas season a little bit later. Because I feel like if you get into it too soon, by the time Christmas arrives, you're sick of it. You're sick of the music. You're sick of the, the flavors, the scented candles, the, the scented mochas or whatever they are, you know. You're just sick of people talking about it. You're sick of seeing all the decorations in the malls and having people constantly trying to get you to come in and buy your stuff. The season gets diluted. And so I really enjoyed how I, I kind of experienced it before. Not to say that you can't 
sort of ignore it because like I said, it's just kind of the supermarket and probably the shopping mall. But if you're out in the city and walking along the streets, I think it's not as overpowering as it would be in the States. Like in the States, every single street you walk down, it's just everywhere. You can't escape it. You can't escape the consumerism of it, especially. And you can't escape the music. Like every single coffee shop or store you go into, Christmas music is like being piped into your brain directly everywhere. So I think it's easier to kind of avoid it here if you want to. But Advent, of course, is the traditional beginning of the Christmas season. But it's different in the sense that traditionally, Advent is really not a time of celebration, right? It's more of a time of reflection and prayer. After this period of Advent, this four-week period of Advent, of reflection and prayer and, you know, ideally going to church, supposedly. Then Christmas happens, and Christmas is a big celebration. And then the Christmas period kind of begins. Advent is over, and now it's the twelve, the so-called 12 days of Christmas, and that's what the 12 days of Christmas are. It's the period from Christmas to Epiphany. And Epiphany on January 6th is traditionally the day that the wise men showed up to give gifts to baby Jesus. That's the day that Again, traditionally in Italy and also in, I believe, some other countries in Puerto Rico, it's like this as well, that the real day that you get gifts, and I think things have changed in the past 20, 30 years, but the real day that you get gifts is on Befana, Italians call it Befana, but on Epiphany, to sort of symbolize the gifts that the three wise men brought to Jesus. And that's kind of the end. So I liked the fact that You didn't have this major, annoying, exhausting lead-up to Christmas. You had some kind of a lead-up, but then Christmas happens, and then it's not over the next day. Like, I always hated that about Christmas back in the States. You wake up on the 26th of December, and it's like, that's it, it's over. All the decorations are gone, everyone's back to work, Christmas never happened. And here, it continues. First of all, I love the fact that nobody works on December 26th. It's a holiday. I think that's so important that you have that rest day because Christmas is, it's exhausting. It's, you know, it's a tiring day. It's wonderful, but it's tiring because you're going to be entertaining probably. You might be traveling. You're going to be doing gifts with your kids, cleaning up, cooking. It's a tiring day. So you need that rest day. It's like Christmas part two. We all have that with Easter too. There's Pasquetta. Easter Monday is a holiday. You have a day off after Easter and it's just a brilliant, brilliant tradition. So that's one of the things I love most about Christmas in Italy. When does the Advent season actually kick off in the uh, Catholic calendar? Well, I believe it's December 1st, but then there's of course four Sundays in Advent. So, you know, whatever the first Sunday this year, December 2nd, but whatever the first Sunday is in Advent, when you go to Catholic church, at least in Italy, they have four candles up by the pulpit they get bigger and bigger. Each Sunday, you light one of the candles of Advent until, of course, Christmas arrives. Yes, you know, they do that in the Protestant church as well. Oh, do they? Three purple ones and a pink one. And then there's, I guess, a white one that you light on Christmas Eve services or Christmas Day, probably both, depending on when you're at the church. (laughs) But that's like the Christ candle. Mm. Someday aside, if you're ever around my father, my father, by the way, if you don't know, those of you listening, was a Presbyterian minister when I was growing up. And he could tell you the great story about the Christ candle from hell. 
<laughs> oh no that he had one year <laughs> but, sounds quite bad yeah but see i feel the opposite of you and i know we talked about this on a prior show i actually like that it kicks off so early here not necessarily the consumerism because i tend to not focus the holiday around shopping anyway because i'm kind of a cheapskate and i never really have that much money to work with <laughs> so it's not so much about shopping for me as I guess coming up with one great gift for the people in my family or something, but I don't spend a lot of time shopping, but I love all the Christmas lights and the decorations and walking around the neighborhoods at night. And it was funny because we've never uh, spent the Christmas season in San Francisco before. We were here last year, we had just moved here, but we were in temporary corporate housing and it was in the middle of nowhere. So we weren't in a neighborhood of any kind. So, and plus we were both terribly ill. (laughs) So I kind of feel like I missed Christmas last year in some ways. But this year, this is the first time we've been in San Francisco for a whole year, watching Halloween turn into the Christmas season. And with Halloween, it was so strange because we were walking around and we kept thinking, huh, this is so interesting. Nobody's decorating for the holiday until the day before Halloween. And then all of a sudden, everybody was out setting up these elaborate displays and turning into this Halloween wonderland. That's weird. The day before or the day of Halloween was when they the magic happened. Hmm. But then the opposite has been true. So we were away for Thanksgiving down in Palm Desert visiting my sister. And then we got back here a few days after Thanksgiving. And there are just Christmas trees everywhere in people's front windows there's lights already up so i don't know what that says about san francisco but slow to get into halloween very fast (laughs) to get into christmas probably just like the rest of america yeah i think that so much of the traditions that we have are like based on what we did as kids because whatever your mom did is what's right you know, my mom would never set up the Christmas tree before December 1st. Never. Mm-hmm. None of this, like, the day after Thanksgiving nonsense. No. Yeah. If the calendar yeah. does not say December, there is no Christmas tree in the house. And I feel exactly the same. Yes. I was just walking up the stairs on my way home, and I saw that one of my neighbors had put up a wreath on their door, and I was just, like, judging them silently. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing that? I should say that was a few days ago because it wasn't December yet. Yes, right, right. It was practically Thanksgiving. It was just a couple days after Thanksgiving, actually. I mean, there's no reason for that. It's just me being, you know, set in my ways, I suppose. No, we're exactly the same way over here, except this year is a little bit weird. And this is actually part of the reason why I thought it'd be fun to talk about Advent with you is because we are completely thrown into a fluff this year by not being able to really do any of our normal Christmas traditions. We are going to Seattle on December 15th, and we're spending the rest of the month there. Derek's going to work from there, and I'm going to work from there, and then, of course, we're just going to lead straight into the holidays. And so for half of the month of December, we're not in San Francisco. Mm. So you're like, do we even get a tree? We aren't going to get a tree. We're not not going to set anything up because we're not going to be here, right? Mm -hmm. But then that's also so strange because... And maybe this is a question for you as a person who lives far away from family. I don't usually live far away from my family, with the exception of the time I'm in Rome. If I'm in Seattle, I can go over to my mom's house for Christmas morning or Christmas Eve into Christmas morning and still have a tree at my house. But now that I'm away, and all of you who are away that go home, you must face this every year. And I'm just like a baby in this land. You almost can't do anything of your own because you're going to be gone. And I find that so depressing. So the whole point being, though, the day after Thanksgiving, Derek and I actually started talking about 
should we just string some Christmas lights up around the house tonight just to <laughs> make it festive and enjoy it for this period of time before we have to go? Or do we just not bother altogether? But then it goes against the tradition of not setting things up too early. Well, you said you're leaving the 15th of December? Yeah. I think that's fine. Yeah, but then it will be up for like a week. <laughs> two weeks. First of December to the 15th of December. That's two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Still, you see the dilemma, though. I see your dilemma in the sense that if it's exhausting, like if you're going to be putting up an entire tree, like going and picking one out and putting it up and decorating, that, no. But if you're just going to hang some lights, or you could do like one of those mini trees, you know, just to have, if you like that. Some people just don't care. And hey, that's fine. I have a kid now, so I've started thinking about how I'm going to decorate for Christmas in early November. And I mean, <laughs> I didn't start because it's not okay. It's not okay in my book to start decorating that early. But I started thinking about it because I think when you have a kid, like, you want to create that magic for them that you had as a kid. You know? Well, now you're the mom. Exactly. So whatever you do, he's going to do. Yes. Yes. Advent calendars are a huge part of Christmas for me got the advent calendar like what kind the little paper doors or what okay so i've been doing advent calendars with him since he was one and a half and usually it's just the paper doors i don't believe in the chocolates inside mm -hmm. i'm just not into like sweets as a reward for my son particularly other people do what you want but i try to avoid that but i was just looking online to try to find a really pretty one that one of the ones i'd bought before <laughs> and i I discovered a minion. You know who the minions are? They're from a movie. Yeah. Yes. So I found a minions Lego advent calendar where every door you open, there's a tiny little Lego to build that has to do with the minions. He is going to lose his mind over this. <laughs> so he's very excited, actually. Yes. Katie's stepping in really quick to thank you for listening and for telling a friend about the show. Remember, it is your support both financially and by spreading the word that directly affects whether or not this program will continue in 2019. If you love the show, support it. Find a donate link at thebittersweetlife.net or in our show notes. And tell friends to subscribe. We need your support to keep this show going and growing. Now back to the program. So that's that. And then, of course, there's the nativity scene, very important part of the Italian tradition is the nativity scene, as you well know. Yes. It used to be that that was more traditional even than a Christmas tree. And that you'd be more likely, if you could only have one, let's say, more Italians are going to have the nativity scene than the Christmas tree. But I don't, again, I don't think that's as true anymore. I think that the local traditions are giving way to the world of this much smaller world now that we live in because we can see what people are doing in other places and copy them. I mean, they even celebrate Black Friday over here. Okay, that to me is just so dumb. I get celebrating Halloween. Sure, why not? Why couldn't that be a global holiday? But Thanksgiving is an American holiday. It has to do with an American tradition. And people don't celebrate it in other parts of the world. So why are they celebrating Black Friday? It just doesn't make any sense. Like the first time I heard about it, I think they've only been doing it for maybe two years, two, three years max. I was like, this is so stupid. It's Black Friday apropos of what? Of a regular Thursday? And people work <laughs> that day. It's not a holiday. So I just don't get it. And like, they're like, 20% off for Black Friday. I'm like, 20% off? You think that's a discount? 
Yeah. Please. Yeah. We stampede for better discounts than that over here. Yeah. In the States, like you've got 70% off and then like 50% off of that. That's a deal. None of this 20% off stuff that's already overpriced anyway. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. So would you say that the holiday in Italy, because I tend to think of Italy as a very Catholic country. So it must be, like you were saying, a more sober month, a month of contemplation. And I know that Italians are often culturally Catholic and not so much piously Catholic. But Mm -hmm. is the holiday itself changing from a religious holiday into a secular holiday like it is over here? I would say yes. Maybe not as much in America. It's so much about the toys and the presents and the Santa Claus and the reindeer. So much about that. The religious aspect, and I'm not at all trying to say that there's any war on Christmas, okay? So do not, do not mistake me for this. But I just feel like the Christ story is really an afterthought. Here I would say maybe half and half, maybe 50-50. There are a lot of nativity scenes, like Aurelia's school. It's a public school. They're going to do a live nativity scene. Like you would never see that at an American public school. But I do think that people are, like you said, they're culturally religious. And I don't think that a lot of young people go to church. I wouldn't be surprised if more young Americans go to church, whether it's Catholic or Protestant or a different religion, than Italians. Probably definitely a subset of people who are very religious and practicing, but I don't feel like that's the norm, and I don't get that sort of sense walking around that it's a time of sober reflection. I really think it's gone full shopping, full, you know, commercialism all the way. Yeah. So can I totally change the topic? Sure, of course. (laughs) Uh, I guess not totally change the topic, but for a long time, I've wanted to ask you about your transformation from a Protestant into a a Catholic, no, a Catholic. (laughs) What is the the lingo here? Your transformation from a Protestant into a Catholic that also came about from being in Italy. I don't know if the two are related and we've never talked about it, but can I ask you about it? You can ask me about it. I'll try to be honest, I guess. (laughs) All right. Well, what happened? What was the thinking that you had? Uh, You know, it's hard even to remember. It seems so long ago. (laughs) It was shortly before we got married. So how long were you in the country, would you say, before you became a Catholic? I think it was 2010. So I would have been in the country for six years before that. I don't want to come across as being too flippant or doing things for anything less than like a calling from God. But for, well, first of all, let me put this out there. I am one of those people who kind of believes that the denominations and things that separate different sects of Christianity, I don't think that's the right word, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I kind of think it's all superfluous and that it doesn't matter. And the ideas underlying Christianity should bridge all of the different minor beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I don't have extremely strong views on the transubstantiation, for example, right? Which is like the major difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. It's like the one thing that they can't agree on. 
if you're not up on the Catholic lingo, the transubstantiation is the Catholic belief that at the moment of the Eucharist during the Mass, the bread and the wine literally turn into the body and blood of Christ, the literal body and blood of Christ. And Protestants believe it's a representation, it's a symbol. Catholics believe it's the real thing. And that's the one thing. I talked to some religious scholars about this, and they said they have tried to come together, like the leaders of Anglican Church and the Catholic Church, supposedly, and tried to like say, hey, do you want to just like resolve our differences and say we're the same thing? And that was the one thing that they just cannot agree on. So I don't have strong opinions about that. Can I ask you a side question about that? <laughs> sure. Really quick. Do you think that the thing that will bring, this is just a mental theory that I was just pondering the last time I was at a Catholic church. Do you think that the way that that will come together will be some sort of plague? You know how Catholics all share the same cup and they all feel like it's the blood of Christ. It's not going to kill us all, but then everybody's super ill all winter (laughs) because, you know, we should not be sharing a common cup because it's gross and we understand what germs is. Germs are at this point, right? (laughs) (laughs) But... Tiffany coughs from the cold she caught at the Catholic Church. No, I got it from sleeping in bed with my three-year-old who was sick. I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I mean, and I know that, that that's a very sacred thing to many people, including people I know. But I've often wondered, will that be the thing that ends the disagreement is when they decide that they can no longer actually share a cup because it's not good for our health? That's very interesting. I will say that in Italy, when you have mass... They have the Eucharist every every week at Mass. They don't have you drink the wine. Only the priests drink the wine. The congregation only has the bread or the wafers. So maybe they've done that to try to avoid illness? I don't I don't really know. It's the best argument for being the priest that I can think of. Besides a calling from God, is that yeah. you get to drink first. Yeah, seriously, right? <laughs> Sorry if that was blasphemy to all of you Catholics out there. My my apologies. But I'm a germaphobe also. Yeah. I'm a cheapskate and a germaphobe. Yes. But go ahead. But I mean, they could say that it's the cup that is transmitting the illness, not the actual wine. I don't know. Oh, that's a good point. They wanted to try to avoid that issue. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. (laughs) I digress. So you were saying transubstantiation. Yes. Go ahead. So transubstantiation, all of this stuff. I will say that I had a very strong, like you, Protestant upbringing, especially my father was very devout. He taught me certain things that are hard for me to hard for me to let go of. And to be honest, I didn't really let go of that. Like what? Well, that that we're saved by God's mercy alone and not by our acts. That's a very Protestant mm-hmm. way of looking at things. And I just can't that's one of those things I just can't shake. All right, fair. I just can't. I told my husband once, I said, I just want you to know. I will always protest in my heart. (laughs) Okay, I love the trappings of Catholicism, and I always have. I think I went to a Catholic church once with a friend. I was like probably staying over at her house, and the next morning we all went to Catholic church. And I loved the way that people made the sign of the cross. I loved kneeling for prayer. I loved the very clear call and answer parts of the mass that people just knew by heart, the ritual of it. I love the idea of praying the rosary. When I was in living in Montreal, which was a very dark time in my life, and I had a Catholic boyfriend at that time who was Puerto Rican, although he wasn't a super, super practicing, but he was a believer. 
he prayed the rosary every so often, very, very rarely, or he had a rosary on him kind of at all times. I just kind of had this kind of fascination with it as something that was very foreign to me. To my religion was, you know, superstition. The Protestants always have, since the beginning of Protestantism, they've always accused Catholics of superstition and of having these these things that they do that really mean nothing in the eyes of Protestants. And if you just talk straight to God, that's all that matters. You don't have to go to confession. You don't have to pray the rosary. You just you just talk to God. And on the one hand, I love that idea that you know, you're know you so close to God that you don't need to go to a priest to confess. I do love that aspect of Protestantism, but I also loved, I just loved that ritual in Catholicism. I loved the beauty of it, how beautiful the churches were and how beautiful the mass could be. Um, and the music, I loved the, uh, you know, I sang many masses when I was in um, undergrad because I was part of the, the chorus at the conservatory. And so we sang, you know, Bruckner's Mass and, you know, the Requiem and all of this. And so, you know, it's all in Latin and it's the words that you would have in the mass, but they're just sung. So I just got very sort of fascinated by the trappings of it. And when I was living in Montreal, I, I started to pray the rosary. I really want to learn how to do this. And so I got myself a rosary. I got it blessed and I started to pray the rosary and I mean maybe that was something in my life I don't know that that's the closest thing I can say to a calling I don't think it was a true calling but it was some kind of a urge in me towards Catholicism but it never took off I never decided to convert many years later of course when I was living in Italy and Claudia and I had decided to get married we of course knew we would get married in the Catholic Church because I wanted to get married in the church full stop. It didn't really matter to me whether it was a Protestant church or a Catholic church, but I wanted to have a church wedding. Since we were going to get married in Italy, it it made sense that we would have a Catholic wedding. Now, you do not have to be a Catholic to have a Catholic wedding ceremony in Italy. I think one of the people has to be Catholic. But you do have to be Catholic if you want to have the Eucharist in the Mass. And we thought about it, and I was like, you know, I'm fine with, with converting. It wasn't something where I was like, yes, this is the right way and the old, you know, Protestantism is the wrong way. And so this is where I, it was just sort of like, to me, it's kind of all the same. It's really just the trappings that make it different. And I think that the underlying beliefs are the same no matter where you go. So I decided to do that. Plus, I I also had an amazing priest. It happened to be our little neighborhood church, Santa Dorotea, when we were living in Trastevere. And I literally like happened to be walking by that church I'd never been in. And I looked on the door and I saw that they were having like a catechism course. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should, I should check this out. Well, the parish priest of that church happened to be just the most amazing priest. One of the good ones. And there are a lot of bad ones out there. But he was really, is really, really one of the good ones. And, um, and I actually enjoyed doing that. Sometimes it's a drag. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, it's Friday night and I have to go to you know, my catechism class. <laughs> and all in all, it was a really beautiful experience. And what did your Protestant family think about it? Did they have any opinions? If they did, they kept them to themselves. My father, I think he wasn't surprised just because of me living over here for so long. Yeah. I, I don't know. We never really had a, a, a true conversation about it. I remember when I was little, him the occasional jab about Catholics, about idolatry and and such. But I think as he got older, his opinion softened. And I don't think that he had any problem with it as an older person. Yeah, that Protestant suspicion of the papists, the magic of uh, Catholicism. Yeah. And the papists. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it does stand to reason that you would pick up a bunch of different habits and things by living in a country for so long. Mm-hmm. But it occurred to me, I never asked you about picking up a religion, so to speak, <laughs> from going to a country. Yeah. I think that if it hadn't been for the fact that I'd always been fascinated with Catholicism, and also knowing that my mother, I mean, she was raised a Protestant because of her father, but her mother was full-blooded Italian. And I never talked to my grandmother about it. We didn't really have a close relationship, but I'm sure she grew up Catholic. She must have. Her parents came from Italy. I really was only like one generation away from being Catholic. I don't know. I just think there was always some... Like, I always had this urge to cross myself. Every time I... Ever since I saw somebody doing it, I always wanted to cross myself. But I always felt like I couldn't. Like it was wrong. Like it was it was a lie because I wasn't a real Catholic, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> again, the word to me that sums it up perfectly is trappings. It's not what the religion is, but it's something that makes it just a little more beautiful and a little more tangible in some way. I mean, it's interesting to be a Catholic in Rome, too, to convert to Catholicism in Rome, because Rome is the heart of the Catholic Church. And there is that reputation. If you go to Rome, if you're not religious, you'll find religion. And if you are religious, you'll lose you'll it. You'll lose it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's the depository of religion. It just comes and goes, basically, in and out like a river. And part of that is because you can really see the culture around the Catholic Church and and that it's a human thing that rose up. So it takes away part of that mystery, mystical magic that comes from religion in general, right? Mm -hmm. What have you found in that case? Well, I think for me, the biggest thing was studying the history of the Vatican when I was doing tours there. And that was before I became a Catholic. But when you learn about, I mean, we just had our Borgia episode last week, okay? So you can refer back to that. But I mean, when you learn about people who reached the highest level of the church. I mean, the Pope is supposed supposed to be chosen by the Holy Spirit. And when you find out that actually at least one bribed his way in and totally abused his office and did horrible things in the name of the church, you can't help but be a little bit disillusioned about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that more than anything. And then, of course, you know, my husband works in the Vatican and... So I have his sort of perspective on it as really an organization. It's an organization. Yeah. It's a big organization. It's a big corporation more than an organization. Yeah. Uh, And it's run like one, more or less. There are some differences. (laughs) But it's about money and it's about career advancement and sometimes about backstabbing and other awful things. So seeing that side of it as well is very hard and is very sort of like a little bit of a rude Hmm. awakening. Yeah, that's so interesting. Can you see beyond that? Is Claudio somehow able to separate the Catholicism, cultural Catholicism from the Vatican or no? I think he has separated it. (laughs) Um, I think you have to. I think you have to if you're going to go on, you're going to keep believing and you are that close to it see it and live it every day this is going to sound very um cynical but i don't think you can continue to believe if you believe that that is really the church yeah well happy holidays everyone (laughs) yeah (laughs) merry christmas (laughs) welcome to advent anyway well we should leave it there shouldn't we (laughs) i suppose so By the way, please forgive me for my cough this week. I'm very sorry. Oh, yes. Tiffany's been struggling with some illness as of late. Too much holiday fun. I guess so. 
not really. Feel free to send in your stories about how you're going to mark the season or tell me what you do when you have to go home every year rather than setting up your own Christmas house. Or if you do, I, I need some tips here. I need to know how to manage this not being around my own house around the holidays. So feel free to send me some tips. I would appreciate it. I vote get a mini tree. Okay, mini tree. Feel free to second Tiffany's vote. <laughs> Bittersweet life at mail.com or anywhere on social media. Just search for the Bittersweet Life. And until next time, this is the Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Barks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for listening and for telling a friend about the show. And thank you for your support financially. We can't wait to write you a handwritten thank you note to show you how much it means to us. You are spreading the word and supporting the show financially directly affects whether or not this program continues. So if you love it, support it. Find a donate link at thebittersweetlife.net or in our show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.